Hello, Rise Guys and Rise Gals. This is Jonathan Marbley, and you're listening to Mad About, Mad About You, your Mad About You recap podcast. Uh, and next week, we will be back with our recap of Season 1, Episode 18 of Mad About You, because this week, we have a very special treat. If Mad About You was a final frontier, we're traveling outside of time and space here. So let's break it down now, it's just what we do. It's Mad About, Mad About You. A couple of weeks ago, we were able to get our first interview of the podcast with renowned TV director Michael Lang. Uh, and this week, we're very excited to bring you an interview with the very talented actress, Beata Potsniak. Uh, Beata's resume is a mile long, so there are a number of things you might recognize her from. But one of those credits is as Masha the Maid in Season 1, Episode 12 of Mad About You, an episode titled Made About You. Did I sound like Russ there? I feel like I did. Anyway, uh, while uh, Beata is hilarious in that role, she's also well known for her dramatic work. Uh, her first big gig in the U.S. was as Marina Oswald in Oliver Stone's JFK. Uh, she also did a ton of work in Poland as an actress, where she played a, a bunch of different parts, including Ophelia in an adaptation of Hamlet. Uh, she's also a poet, a performance artist. Uh, she's an activist uh, who's responsible for the United States officially recognizing International Women's Day. So if you haven't seen the episode of the show that we're, uh, that she was in or listened to the recap, you may want to do that first. But Russ also hates when I throw suggestions out of what you guys should or shouldn't do. So, uh, you know, do whatever you want. Uh, also, though, honestly, the recap episode might even be more fun if you listen to the interview first. I don't know. Um, so before we get into it, we just want to thank Beata for giving us her time and being so cool to talk to. I think you're going to want to listen to the end because the audio is a little fuzzy because uh, we over to the phone and I used this new software th for the first time and I never did an interview before. So, you know, there's a few things, but, you know, listen for a minute or two. I think you'll get used to it. And uh, like I said, listen all the way through because there are some really fun twists and turns in this conversation. Um yeah, so I think that's it. Uh, so thank you, Beata, and here it is, uh, my interview with uh, Beata Potsniak. Enjoy. I guess uh, I was curious about uh, your where you started. You started in Poland as a child or a young adult? Well, uh, in Poland, uh, you have to go to a school first in those days. Um, you have to have your master's degree in drama in order to perform professionally. And now times have changed. If you're talented and you look gorgeous at the park and you walk on the stage, you know, you can be cast. So different times. But in my days, uh, we did not have that luxury um, or that kind of, uh, you know, we would have to be first trained as a professional actors, and then we were allowed to apply uh, for a position, let's say, you know, to be part of a theater company. And that was considered very prestigious in those days to be part of a theater company. So you start from theater, you work on your craft, and then you are kind of permitted <laughs> to uh, be on a TV show or do a TV series or uh, do a film. Gotcha. Right. Okay. So it was like an MFA program. That's correct. 
I see. And uh, what uh, was there a particular uh, method you studied, or, or was it uh, more broad training? Uh, you start from Stanislavski, the classics, from Shakespeare, sure. Moliere, and then you go to the more experimental theater, Jean Cocteau and um, Rozek and uh, Vitkatsis. So uh, it's, you have to be well-rounded, pretty much. Oh, cool. So you, you cover it all. Uh, yeah. Well, so you played, uh, but, but let's remember, this was... Uh, I graduated in 85, uh-huh. and uh, this was still a different system in Poland, not what it is now. It's part of the EU, so I grew up a little bit in a different country. It was still a communist country. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, uh, projects often were green-lighted. Uh-huh. doesn't mean that when you worked on a film that people will, will actually see it. It had to be, because it had to be approved. Uh, that too. So we, you know, it would be put, we, we would call it, we, it would be put on shelves, meaning one day possibly it will be, it will be seen. Oh, so, um, so when I came here to this country with a film, a film in back, I stayed, Oliver Stone uh, actually knew my work from Poland, and that's how I got cast in JFK. Right, yeah, that, so that was your first gig in the United States? My first film in the United States, but in That's Poland, amazing. I have worked on many films, and a few right. of them, after the system changed in Poland, some of the films I actually saw for the first time while being in America. Oh, cool. Of my own work that I did in Poland, I actually seen in America for the first time. Right. Um, were you ever able to see your Ophelia? I'm sorry, were I able to... To see your Ophelia? I thought you played Ophelia. Uh, Did Ophelia? Yes, that was very yes, excellent. That was one of the examples. That was, that film was put on shelves because it was a take on uh, the political system in Eastern Europe. And although this film was green lighted, it was not allowed to be seen by the public. And uh, later on, many years later, after the wall came down in Berlin and Lech Valencia became the president of Poland, mm-hmm. um, this film was shown. And he received many awards and, and so on and so on. But it was, you know, many years later, and I was already uh, working here in the United States. Oh, I see. Wow. Uh, so the sitcom, of- Mad About You, was my very yeah. first uh, comedy. Very first, I mean, very first, uh, not comedy, but very first. Uh, I've never played in a sitcom. In Poland, we did not have sitcoms. Nobody would even know what it, it what is a sitcom. And it was just such a fabulous experience for me because I had no idea that, you know, you shoot an episode in a week and you have fun for five days, meaning you rehearse, they write, rewrite, the writers observe you, then they rewrite, you know, depending how you are. And, and it's fun to see how they see you. And on the last day, uh, they invite an audience and you shoot the whole episode live in front right. of an audience. That was a totally new experience for me and a total dream come true because I'd never experienced it. And uh, that was, uh, I think, really uh, fun for me. Yeah, it's like doing theater a little. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so um, and it, it was really great. I really uh, had fun, and uh, many unexpected things 
happened during the process. I was not expected to be cast, first of all. Uh, GSK <laughs> was my first film. And then Susan Vash, who was the casting director for Mad About You, yeah. she saw, that's what she told me, she saw a spread in Harper's Bazaar where I had an interview with Gary Oldman and it was my picture there. And so she called my agent asking if I would come in to meet with her and then the producers of Mad About You. And the part was written for a, someone named Maria. And ah. it was not, I, they were not looking for someone like me. Sure. Uh, it was Maria. Uh, I believe uh, it was a Hispanic character, a very, um, you know, stereotype. Right. stereotype. So Susan Vash had this idea that maybe, you know, how about an Eastern European? Yeah. And so basically when I met with her and I saw, you know, when I walked in already, to, there was a kind of a mini, you know, nice looking girls, but they had all black hair, Hispanic looking. And you know, when you go for a casting session, when they're looking for a character, all these, you know, people, they look like you. <laughs> Usually, yeah, right. And I looked very different. I was at that time kind of redhead and freckles and totally opposite what they were looking for. Yes. So the casting director, she said, oh, my gosh, you, I don't know if this will work. I have this idea which I want to pitch, and it's kind of a little bit too pretty. Um, can you put your hair up or, you know, it's just too much hair, and, and maybe you have glasses. And I happen to have glasses. I actually wear glasses, and, and she asked me to put them on, and, and, and she was looking, searching all the time for something. And I could see... You know, it was not really, <laughs> um, you know, you kind of know. It, it, they're looking, but you're not, they're not happy, and you don't know what they're looking for. And so anyway, but I tried to adjust and see, not knowing the, uh, anything about the script and the story, as always, uh, as we know in Hollywood, everything is secretive. And so you don't know really what kind of even character they're looking for. Oh, what? So you didn't have the, you didn't have audition sides? Nothing, audition. nothing. It was just a meeting with the casting, and then right after the casting, she just took me next door to meet uh, the producer, Danny Jacobson and Paul uh, Reiser. And this is at Sony, I guess? That, that's correct. Okay. So I just had a meeting. They liked me in JFK. They asked me if I'm Russian. Uh -huh. Um... Do I speak good Russian? I said, Daya Gavarinko Ruski. You know, in my <laughs> days, uh, you know, often people ask me if I'm from Poland or Russia. The truth is, the borders keep changing. So one right. day it's Poland, one day it's Russia. Right. <laughs> I was born in Gdansk. Uh -huh. My mother was born in Vilnius. Now it's Lithuania, before it was Russian. From my parents, from my father's side, uh, it was Russian, now it's Ukraine. Uh, so, you know, we, we, I grew up with both languages. At school, we had Russian and Polish. So, anyway, um, when I met with Paul and Danny, uh, the producers, they were just asking me questions, and uh, just, they wanted to know my life story, basically. And then um, they asked me, well, can you do an accent? Mm-hmm. I said, well, I, I do have an accent. 
And they said, well, no, like a really, they wanted really like a very heavy rock accent from Urasa, someone that really know, because when you come here fresh off the boat, right? Right. You know, so they were looking for someone like this. Uh, Right. (laughs) So I have many family members that talk to me all the time like this. or So it was no problem for me to adjust. Sure. And uh, so that's how our fun journey journey start, started. They um, we wrote the script. Yeah. That's uh, instead of Maria, I became Masha. That's so cool. And um, and that was one of the most amazing experiences ever, ever. Really? I mean it, ever. I mean, it was. Uh, I felt so much support, so mm. much love on the set. Right. Um, and there's such a great chemistry. I had no idea since I was so new and trained in a very different way. You have like at least a dozen writers around you. Right, and they're all pitching jokes. Because and- exactly, it was amazing to see so many people observing you daily at these table readings. So that right. was a new experience for me, and it was a great experience, I have to say. And every day they would adjust the the jokes depending how you say it, or the more they learn about you, then they, uh, you know, change the the joke. And and everybody every day was just laughing daily. I mean, it was coming to, uh, you know, a place that is just laughing. I mean, it, it's hard to even explain. And you come in and everybody just smiles and laughs. Right, all, yeah. You know, all the time. Infectious environment. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you remember any jokes that you uh, did? You, I'm assuming you pitched jokes too, probably. I pitched jokes. Um, one of them I can remember. Um, you know, because they, during the the, <laughs> the process, like one day they say, "Oh, how about Masha is from Minsk?" So I pitched. Uh, I said, "Well, how about I'm from Minsk?" You know, I have memories in, in, in Russia. I had a Minsk coat, too. But, <laughs> <laughs> but because, yeah, I was, in those days, you know, I came to America, I'm poor, but in Russia, I was uh, wealthy. I mean, that's, you know, my father was in the yeah, circus. Right. But anyway, so that was my joke, but it didn't last long, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I had my own little jokes, but, you know, maybe they're just more funny for us, uh, you know, Eastern Europeans. Sure. So anyway, but I had those kind of jokes, and everybody would kind of pitch it, pitch the the jokes, and and it was kind of um, fun, fun. Um, so that's how things, how how the process worked. Right. Uh, one of the things that uh, uh, Russ and I, the uh, other hosts, love about mad about you so much is that while while it's a sitcom, the acting's like insanely good. Mhm. Uh, was it? What was it like to act with uh, Helen Hunt and Paul Reiser and uh, Richard Kind and Leela Kendall? Oh, my gosh. Um, it's so interesting because the chemistry between the actors, I mean, you could not imagine, uh, you know, anything else. I mean, it was just so unbelievably fantastic. You know, I was just... Uh, you know, standing and observing Helen and Paul with my, you know, mouth open, basically. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, and actually, after the show, I ended up uh, working on a show with Helen for KCRW we did together. Um, we read letters and stories um, uh, written by Angela Carter from England. And that was 
CRW right after the show with our right. siren and it was fantastic. So she's a true pro. She's a, a, amazing, amazing. I really admire her and a very powerful woman and, and you know, her chemistry with Paul, it was exceptional. And and Paul had always very you know many surprising jokes, so he would answer her in a funny way back, and the writers would, would catch that and quickly you know put it in or oh, in cool. the and uh, so these things were often happening during the set unexpectedly because somebody said something unexpectedly, and you know that line would, would be soon added uh, to the script. So people would improvise and rehearse a little. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it was a lot of freedom at the same time, and um, um, and just um, yeah, just fun actually. Uh, any memories of uh, or any uh, any particular memories about working with um, Barnett Kelman, the director? You know, it was uh, with Barnett. Barnett is uh, also a very generous in terms of ideas and huge support for actors. I, I remember he would also uh, experiment and bring some, you know, he had some ideas, like even bringing a song. He said, how about you just sing a song? I mean, he would just, you know, he just oh. explore things. And and so we went through a phase like that. And he's a very... Um, Actors direct. I mean, he really loves actors. You can see right. because uh, it's not like stand here and just say that. He really wants to talk about the character and how you feel and what would you do in this situation. And um, but we're very supportive, very supportive, and also brought uh, some of uh, you know really great ideas. Everybody would contribute ideas, and and Barnett and the writers would you know then go to the room and talk, and then they would come out with you know, inspired, and then they would bring in their final ideas, you know, and this is what we would say and um, and act out, and um, and on the last day, we would shoot, and sometimes, which was very interesting for me, uh, that in front of the audience, we could even stop taping, because we would, say, you know, somebody, would, you know, the director would say, or the writer said, oh, how about we play this or that, you know. Right. So it was interesting that even... When you shoot, you can still um, say something different or adjust oh, sure, scene. Sure. So, uh, in front of an audience, it's not like in a theater. It's seven o'clock, and that's it. You go on. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You right, know, right. the show goes on. <laughs> yeah. It was nice to know that you still can stop and. And uh, we had a very supportive audience, and it was fun for them, too, to see really how, you know, uh, to see the process and see how it really works and see oh, act in action, and especially, you know, someone like Helen Hunt and Richard Kind. Oh, my gosh, you know, for them, I, it was oh, a, yeah. also something very special. Sure. Oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go, I did want to ask you about uh, Theater Discordia. Yes. Is that a theater company you started? That is a theater, yes, that's correct. It's something that I started, and uh, I guess when I moved to Los Angeles, I wanted to, now I understand that better, I was seeking a new voice for myself, and oh. I was actually inspired by the discord in the world, which uh, there's a uniquely kind of a, 
uh, you know, style, uh, you know, that, that declares anything goes and anything is possible. Anything can happen here in America. You know, in, in my days when I was in Poland, you know, there were certain things you're not allowed to say. There was no freedom of speech. And so it was a little bit different. And I, when I came here, you know, something unplugged in me. And and since, my, you know, Poland has a very pretty big, rich uh, tradition, uh, an impressive, uh, you know, tradition of, of theater. Mm-hmm. And so I thought... Oh my gosh, anything is possible in this country. Everybody is just like Richard Kind said in, in, in the episode, you know, come on, have a can do attitude. This is America. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. I couldn't believe, you know, when I looked around, everybody would be always smiling, always positive, and nobody is surprised by anything, really, huh. in this that's how I found it. That's how I, you know, you, you could some you, you, somebody could walk, you know, like a I don't know, someone from a baroque, you know, I don't know, some funny costume on the street. I don't think many people would even look at that person. Also, yeah, you know, just nothing would surprise you. You know, okay, somebody wants to just express themselves. Okay, and you move on. It's who they are. Yeah. So it. So so basically, I uh, I love. Um, literature, I love books, I love poetry, and I started to create these performance art shows, uh, and then they ended up being the part of part of the LA Festival, and Peter Sellers uh, Festival, and uh, the LA Poetry Festivals, and so I wrote these really avant-garde plays based on international poetry, but more from an immigrant point of view. Um, that's why I called them, you know, Changing Flags. Uh, right. We and they. Interesting. Mm. Poetic really, umbilicus, you know, umbilicus is from an umbilicus cord, you know. So subconscious right. write these plays where, you know, I know that I had to cut the cord, you know. So it was a being, he, she, it, that, that had to, um, that, that that being was on a journey. Uh, internationally discovering him or her itself, who he, she, it is. Uh, but finally, you know, you just have to cut that umbilicus cord and find your own identity. Wow. So this is where unexpectedly I started writing these avant-garde plays uh, and casting many immigrants because that's how I saw this country. And uh, so I had people from many, from different walks of life in my shows. Oh. And, uh, and I just thought America is, you know, everything happens here. You know, everybody comes to this country just to uh, seek a new voice for themselves and to be heard. And I wanted to express that through Theater Discordia. And so now with the Internet, because in those days when I started it in 87, uh, these were not internet internet days <laughs> uh, and computer days and iPhone days. Um, so now I have a Discordia production where I actually direct and create these um, short avant-garde experimental films, often based mm-hmm. poetry. And my last one is called People on the Bridge that I did, um, uh, you know, after I did something with the Hammer Museum here, I was asked to read and perform 
Wisława Szymborska's work, she won a Nobel Prize. Um, she was from Poland, uh, and at age 73, she won a Nobel Prize. So, I, so anyway, so I, because of that, I, I actually was so inspired by her work, especially, you know, I chose one of her poems. Uh, it was called People on the Bridge. And I ended up directing an experimental film, and it was shown, you know, from Greece to to India to Sweden. Right, <laughs> I mean, right. So many film festivals, but it's very experimental. It's again finding that new voice. It's always searching for identity, uh, no matter what I do. It's still I find myself, although I'm here in America, I still. I think we all, whoever comes here to this country, is still always trying to find um, a new identity or a new voice for themselves. So I was very blessed to work with many people and many different projects. I would never have that opportunity um, if I would not be given that, that chance and if I would not meet all these you know, great people who believed in me and, and say, oh, how about we, we, we try out this girl for, for this or for that part. Right, right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and still, you know, when I came here, I, my, my English was limited, and uh, so so I had a little bit more tougher time than, than you know, people that were born and, and raised here, and, and, you know, so I, I always find myself, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm giving a chance, you know, somebody's giving me a chance, that's wonderful, I'm so grateful, this is fantastic, and to work, you know, opposite my you know, people that I admired when I was in Poland. Right. You know, that's something that uh, many, many of you guys don't realize, you know, someone like us from another country, you know, we, we observe all these great shows, American shows, okay. TV shows, series, and films, and suddenly, you know, you're transplanted to, you know, Hollywood, <laughs> and and that is so unexpected and pretty amazing if you you know, work suddenly with your idol, someone that you looked up to when, you know, when you were behind the Iron Curtain, in my case. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let me ask you one last question, if that's okay. Uh, there's a, I'm always fascinated by this. Uh, the, t- the period between moving to the United States and getting your first gig at JFK, uh, did you work any crazy jobs? What what, what was it like uh, being an uh, actress, especially who had done a lot of work already in Poland, uh, moving to Los Angeles, which at least when I did it was very intimidating initially? Well, it's it's a very interesting question, yes. Uh, I first came to New York, and uh, oh, while I was wait, waiting for my paperwork and, and documents so I can work legally in this country, oh, okay. Um, okay. I, I did actually... Um, I just wanted to do anything, you know. I walked into a bagel notch. I could, you know, just sell bagels, anything, you know. I, I wanted to just do anything, although the math is great. And, and you know, I had friends in those days that um, doctors and lawyers, that they, they came to this country to earn money because although you were a doctor or a lawyer, in those days in Poland, unfortunately, your earnings are nothing. I mean, really nothing could not feed your family. So even if you would work here, in a bagel notch, you could believe it or not, you could bring that money and feed your family for many months. You know that's right. how that's how crazy the system was. So in my case, the same thing. I I thought, okay, if I get a job, 
But I honestly, you know, when you, when you have to fill out an application and you put you have a master's degree, they said, thank you so much. You can't work. You're overqualified. Right. Sure. Which I did not know. <laughs> and I thought anybody can wash dishes. <laughs> so I could not even do that. So I, uh, I walked into uh, Art Students League. And it's an art school in New York, just across the street from Carnegie Hall. Okay. And uh, the director, she looked at me and she fell in love with my long red hair. And she said, oh, my gosh, uh, we definitely would love you to pose for students. And uh, do you know Madonna started out here and we've got great people also in the film business. And, <laughs> and she said, and she really, so that was kind of a nice feeling that I, I felt wanted. And that was my very first job. Oh uh, and. And that's where I actually met uh, even Peter Falk, who ended up uh, painting really? my portrait. <laughs> They're from Colombo, Peter Falk. You sat for Peter Falk as a yes. painter? Yes, and then when I moved to L.A., uh, we were neighbors, and he continued painting me. <laughs> no. Yes. That's amazing. And uh, so... He didn't paint the portrait of Paul, though. He's on the show, right? Oh, no. You know what? My work is too surreal. Probably if I would paint Paul, he would yeah. be sitting inside of an egg. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that, you know? Right, right. Uh, you know, probably with a film tape coming out of his hair or something. I mean, you know, that's how my imagination goes. Totally. So, um... So they had to have someone else uh, paint Paul with his beautiful hairy chest. <laughs> but yes, I do paint and I do exhibit. Um, my work is surreal, and it, there is a reason for it because I always, uh, you know, I come from surreal times, and they often are very personal stories um, put on canvas or or made out of clay or even marble. So. Wow. Uh, but, but that's, I had many great, uh, I spent many great, uh, I mean, a lot of good time with uh, Peter Falk and other great artists. And, oh, that's um, so amazing. It is amazing. It is really amazing. Yeah, um, even in his TV career, he has that great, in, like, independent film uh, filmography mm -hmm. with Cassavetes. And did you get to be a play in that world at all? In, in which one? Uh, it, it, like the indie world that he was in with Cassavetti's uh, film. Cassavetti's, no, I didn't play. I didn't do. I didn't work with him as an actor. Um, we we talked about it a few times, but uh, we uh, ended up um, spending a lot of time just talking about uh, great, great, uh, you know, art, about artists and and techniques in painting and sketching and. Wow. Uh, and he was quite a, you know, artist himself, and many yeah. actors actually uh, have that additional talent, I would say, many, and right. I definitely he was one of them. Um, so anyway, I, that was my uh, first job in New York, and then <laughs> I came here and, uh, to L.A., and that's when I started the, the theater company, and that was my, my, my journey, really, to... Becoming an actor and now director, producer, and writer. I mean, so I write poetry and uh, still play right. and love to experiment. I love to experiment. I love to do things that have not been done. I like to risk. I, you know, it's we all are 
kind of uh, fear that uh, we're not going to be good enough or fear of failure. And I think it's so important to overcome that and just follow your dreams, follow your bliss and uh, be fearless and uh, imagine things. And uh, it might not be commercial. It might not be uh, for everybody, but it's so fulfilling. It's so fulfilling once you follow what's inside. Uh, and everybody's so unique, so different. And we, we right. all what's inside of us. And um, someone will be there to enjoy it with you, you know, along the way. Right, and yeah. And that's what's important, I think. Because uh, we all have to work. We have to do commercial things. And then we have to do things for art, for our own soul, you know, to survive, you know, artistically. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that's the whole reason uh, you started doing it in the first place. Like, yes. I feel. <laughs> so, well, um, well, what a great story. Thank you so much for uh, uh, talking to us. Yes, yes. I, I thank you so much for... Um, uh, actually, uh, creating a show like this, you know, dedicated to Mad About You. I mean, uh, that yeah, that yeah. was a very special show, and it's so nice. Do you know that till, till today, I, you know, somebody would, you know, just people would come up to me, uh, just strangers, and say, "Oh my God, were you Mad About You?" I was. Really? Just, Playing to Hawaii and saw an episode with you. <laughs> I'm mad about you. <laughs> that is amazing. And I was just on the plane. They would recognize me, uh, you know, playing mass. I was. It's funny. People really enjoy the show, and they still talk about the show. I'm glad because it's so great. it's great that you guys are. You know, it's still keeping it alive. It's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, we just loved it so much, and it was so hard to find, and now at least it's on DVD, and I mean, Richard Kind and Paul Reiser, I think, were huge influences on both of us growing up <laughs> Right. In, in terms of our comedic sensibilities and uh, the acting, even, I guess. They're, they're just, right. I don't know why, but we connected with them. So. Oh, he's fantastic. I really enjoyed cleaning for him. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it was great. He, he was very funny, and and, you know... And and now when you watch it, you know, him handing me, you know, some videotapes, you know, VHSs, it's yes, kind of funny right. because uh, I showed uh, this episode to my son, and my son, uh, he said, gosh, what is a VHS? You know, these kids nowadays oh, wow. don't even know what, what uh, VHSs are, you know, that's how fast technology is. <laughs> that's amazing. They're absolutely, oh. yeah. So, um, I call everything a tape, even if it's a yeah, YouTube. tape. I call cassette, the video. Yeah. <laughs> cassette tape, and, you know. <laughs> everybody lives now in uh, the VR and AR world, you know. Right, that's right. So that's the world the, this new generation um, lives in. Yeah, terrestrials being phased out. Well, thank you so much. It was yes. a, a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having me on your show. And uh, I'll definitely uh, look forward to checking out, what's the name of your uh, latest short again? Oh, People on the Bridge. Actually, I'm going to be showing it now as well in Poland. I'm flying to Poland in a couple of days. Oh, cool. And it's going to be shown a few times there. Um, and uh, actually, I'm... It's a very nice honor. You know, Poland has their own version of Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, okay. And 
but they make a mold of your hand, and it stays there, you know, on the, pa- on, on the pavement on this Walk of Fame. And uh, so, anyway, I'm going to be one of them to this year. I'm selected to be one of the people this year to be honored. So oh, anyway, so why mention it because they selected also, you know, they wanted to show this film people on the bridge during the ceremony because they they think it's a very unique uh, and very different uh, film gotcha. um, uh, that is so experimental that uh, it's not narrative, it's not a documentary, it's not, you know, so where do you place it? It doesn't fit any category, really. Right. And and that's what I actually love when when you when you kind of uh, uh, where you kind of don't need to fit in, <laughs> right? Yeah. But you just are who you are. You know, why do we have to label that you are this person and you do documentaries? You do, uh, let's say, this kind yeah. of work. And you know, I kind of like to be. I think that's why I called. Um, my company possibly, you know, Discordia, because anything goes, you know, we just have to, we all change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Latin, there's a great word called panta ray. That means everything's flowing. Everything is constantly moving. We, we never are the same. And I think it's very important for us to keep expanding, experimenting, uh, experiencing, um, and uh, keep, you know, strive to push that envelope of expression in every medium. And, 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 by doing so, we keep finding out who we are, too. I think a human being is such a interesting uh, being that, you know, just to tap in to what is possible and uh, and to see your potential can be very rewarding. I mean, I think that's right. what we are, you know, meant to be here, you know, for a reason and and discover our earthly walk, you know, with Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Self-exploration is... Uh... As vital as uh, exploring the world, I guess. Or the, right, right. No, I. Well, there's a beautiful, you know, there's a beautiful poem by um, American poet uh, Theodore Rothke, and huh. um, and I actually uh, live by his words. <laughs> and the Discordia is kind of exactly he captured uh, it. There's a beautiful poem that he wrote. Um, the title is it's called "The Waking," and okay. it's, it, it's something. It goes like something like that. It's I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. I feel my fate in what I cannot fear. I learn by going where I have to go. So often, you know, by doing things, you you know, we learn where we have to go or what do we want to do. People say, so what's the next project? What's what's next? And sometimes just by doing, we discover more about our journey, earthly path, or just about ourselves or other people around us. And I just captured so beautifully this poem called The Waking. And uh, it's, for me, exactly what Discordia stands for and uh, that everything's possible. It just, we have to keep going. And, oh, and then there's a beautiful, um, oh, philosopher, Joseph Campbell. I love mythology. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> and, he, yeah, oh my gosh, he would say, also something I live by, it's so beautiful, he would say, 
follow your bliss. Mm. And I think that's so fantastic, you know, just to tap into that and just to follow your bliss and to keep on that path. Whatever lights you up, just follow that. Right. <laughs> well, that's what the podcast is for sure. <laughs> yes, follow, follow that bliss. <laughs> Well, you see, on that note, you know, everything's so kind of, uh, it, the, the conversation was supposed to be funny, and it became like really uh, more avant-garde, poetic, and uh, and very philosophical, maybe. I mean, that's where we had to go. <laughs> that's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> uh, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much, John. Thank you so much as well. Uh, Have a great trip, and I look forward to uh, continuing to see your work. Yes, thank you again. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Tweet at us. Let us know what you thought. Uh, Follow Beata. Uh, She sounds like she's working on some really cool projects um, that I'm definitely going to be checking out, uh, and maybe they'll come up uh, on later episodes of the podcast. Uh, Our theme song was written by John D. Ivy. Our logo was created by Nathan Diffie. It's weird to hear me doing this, isn't it? It's weird to be saying it, quite honestly. Except this part, our uh, sound mixing uh, was done by uh, Vuk Ivanovich. Though, to be honest, this episode was done by me, which is probably why it's a little choppier than normal. <laughs> um, I guess that's it. I don't have anyone to confirm that with, except myself. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. I'm John Marbley, and I'm John Marbley, and this is what we're saying. <laughs>